0: Hard to believe is proud to be a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more of this and other great shows, head to cageclub.me. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at john at cageclub.me, or you can find me on Twitter at Probably Real JB. That's probablyrealjb. That's P R O B A B L Y R E A L J B. The show is written, produced, and edited by me. Hi, everyone. Today on the show, I am sharing with you a conversation I recorded last week with someone you may know from YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, or elsewhere on the internet as the heathen queen. She uses her internet platform to both dunk on bigoted Christian apologists and facilitate informative conversations with scholars about religion, the Bible, and history. I wanted to talk to her about her time as a Christian fundamentalist, her deconstruction, and frankly, just the nerdy religion stuff that we're both so I hope you enjoy it. Heath Queen is my guest today. I'm John Brooks, and this is Hard to Believe. Yourself.
1: Hi, y'all might know me as Heathen Queen, Queen of the Heathens, or perhaps <laughs> Jessica, which is my name. Uh, I accidentally stumbled into some kind of weird niche internet popularity. And I say that knowing full well that I'm actually not internet famous in any way. <laughs> I just happen to have some notoriety in a very small corner of the internet, but I I digress. Mm-hmm. Um I've somehow ended up being (laughs) uh, an apologist antagonist um, because I quite literally never, ever engage with them uh, with their arguments because they're trash. Yeah. And instead. Smart. I just go for the jugular, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that's effectively what I've been doing. I also have a YouTube channel where I do things that are, you know, kind of smart. Like I interview scholars and we talk about things that are I was gonna say that are smart, but that makes me sound really dumb. I do smart things there that are smart, you know? Um <laughs> but but really I have scholars on there, we talk about whatever their like sort of research interests or specialty is, and they all tend mm-hmm. to sort of focus on the Bible or things adjacent to that um and that's largely because the way that i accidentally built my platform is being an ex-evangelical person that is like hey this is what i thought i knew about the bible and this is what i learned from academia or scholars or just like you know anybody other than my pastor yeah um which is also how i ended up leaving the church so that's sort of how I gained my platform and now I try to democratize scholarship not that I am a scholar but for some reason I'm able to convince folks to talk to me (laughs) and so I try to share it to the public um or I try to share information to the public that otherwise might have just sort of stayed in like the ivory tower yeah um and some people think I'm funny. So that's I don't know. <laughs> that's basically it. I don't know why, but they do. I it's it's
0: all really important stuff. I want to talk more about sort of why I think there's a lot kind of missing from that space. Like I've been thinking a lot recently about the way that as a religion teacher, like the way that religion is communicated and sort of the the place that it has in our society and the the way that there seems to be sort of like a you're in or you're out and there's nobody sort of um, living in the space in between and sort of like communicating that space. And I, and I think that's a really important thing to do, again, kind of outside um, the ivory tower thing. Right. But, I, you know, one of the things that I have been um, paying a lot more attention to in the last several years, I think, for for sort of cultural reasons, is this um evangelical um uh phenomenon and the, and, and, yeah. uh, and the deconstructionist thing um because i i'm not an evangelical i i'm not i was never an evangelical i grew up an episcopalian and you know no liberal. therapy for you, you know? no therapy for me yeah. um you know i grew up a liberal episcopalian and i'm not that anymore right and um but i i did live like i i first kind of had encounters with it uh when i lived in the seattle area in mm-hmm. the 90s um when it was it was thriving
1: yeah <laughs> and, or what? yeah and i, I like <laughs> i
0: i i grew up in new england where it's just like a bunch of catholics and it just didn't really like that culture didn't really exist um yeah. in front of me until i until i saw that evangelicals are wild they they are, and it was very like oh this is uh, this whole thing is I, I learned a lot about it in that time and and left a very bad taste in my mouth obviously, okay. um, but you know my my friend Linda Klein um, she was the first like evangelical I met right someone who had really been through all of the sort of trauma of it and then come out the other side um, and there's a whole kind of emerging story there like I you know more and more people sort of making that a kind of a I'm not going to say like religious identity, but like some kind of identity. I don't, I'll i let you talk more about that. But do you want to tell a little bit about like your story about how you, how you ex-evangelicaled? <laughs>
1: yeah, no. Uh, so I think something that's like, maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. I think it's interesting about my story. Um, and I'll go back to the beginning, but I deconstructed or left the faith, whatever you want to call it, about 10 years ago, give or take. Yeah. And at that time there was no, deconstruction. There was no evangelical. There was no anything. It was just me reading a lot of books alone um, and being like, my brain is splitting in two. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please, what is happening? Um, And so no one was really interested in what I was learning or reading or thinking about. And that's clearly fine. Like Nobody has to be interested in that. But it's a very, very different environment than today when there's kind of like a movement in a lot of ways, right? Or even if you don't want to call it a movement, maybe there's a community of people doing sort of similar things, but at different points in their journey. Um, And so for many, many years, I just kept up my interest and I worked on sort of undoing my own trauma around God, original sin, hell, the rapture, like all of these things. Mm -hmm. But it it was very much just me working with me um because there wasn't even a lot of therapists that I knew at that point that knew how to engage with that and so you know I'm 33 now in my Jesus year feel me uh, <laughs> uh-huh. like that's the other thing everyone should know about me is if I can if I can make a joke I will right um and sometimes that's for the better <laughs> and sometimes it's for the worse <laughs> I also have a God complex, you know? So me and Jesus, same, same. <laughs> but, sorry. Okay, so let me go back to the beginning. I yeah. probably got started in the evangelical church when I was about, say, I don't know. like I want to say somewhere between like six and eight, somewhere in there. Okay. And um, my mom <laughs> converted when she went to a Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames play, which if anyone is familiar – it's just a nightmare. Like yeah. it's not a play, it's a nightmare. It's uh, like it's so without
0: without the fun, right? It's just exactly like, yeah. no yeah. fun. Yeah. Just
1: tell. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> she somehow dragged my dad along with her. And like if you hear them tell the story, it's very convoluted. I don't I won't even get into all the details. But the short version is both of them ultimately ended up being quote unquote saved, right? And so of course I just went along with them because I was a young child and that's what they were doing. And so my entire worldview was shaped by what these people were telling me. I think something that's probably important to note is that both of my parents were incredibly dysfunctional, incredibly in a number of different ways. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say to me like, well, then you didn't like experience, you know, it wasn't the church, like it was your parents. And I'm like, Yeah, that's where you're wrong. Uh, It was my parents, but it was also the church. (laughs) Why both? Yeah, Yeah, why not both? (laughs) Porque no los dos, right? Like why not both? So, you know, my my mom, she was an alcoholic for most of my life, kind of on and off. My dad, he had a lot of anger issues that he never really dealt with, and so of course it was taken out kind of on me. But also at the same time um, were in this evangelical church, that's kind of teaching my parents that like, just like ask for forgiveness, and it's fine. Right? Like God's the ultimate judge. Um, God sees you're like trying your best, like it's fine. Uh, And so growing up in this environment, I also developed some, I would say, like, OCD. That's what I was diagnosed with when I was younger. I've since sort of been, I don't know if you can be undiagnosed, but, like, it's no longer a thing. Um, Because of this idea of spiritual warfare that's really present in the evangelical church, where, like, everything is this sort of, like, apocalyptic battle, right? Like, you go outside and, like, you see a billboard that has, those like, too sexual and, like, that's a demonic attack. And, like, it's a battle between... You know, the spirits of good and evil, and like just on and on on, like everything is mm-hmm. this apocalyptic battle, and I'm not exaggerating. Like yeah. everything. Yeah. And so, anytime, you know, that I had a thought or a feeling that I thought didn't align with like Christianity, I felt like I was under attack. Right. I'm also growing up in the like late '90s, early 2000s evangelical culture. That is like, the world is ending. These are the end times. Jesus is coming like, I don't know, next week. Yeah. So I was told from a very young age to prepare effectively to be martyred for my faith. And not only martyred, but like tortured and then martyred. And I was like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's? Like, I'm, I'm eight years old. Like, please, I don't need to hear about decapitation. Like, this is a lot. Like, I
0: sent two tickets like, for My Little Pony. I right, like yeah. someone.
1: I, I just need. I just need a snack for tomorrow for my. class. Yeah. Like, <laughs> please. And this is combined with like my parents just being incredibly volatile. Volatile. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry. I like the word volatile. I don't know. I
1: just made it up. I don't know. Do it's volatile. Yeah. It's yeah a I don't a know. Word now.
0: Put it in the bank. I'm not really
1: sure what I was trying to say. Like the second one, what I was saying. Volatile. Volatile. Good lord. I graduated at the top of my class. I'm just going to say that, but I make up words. So.
0: (laughs) So did Shakespeare. You're all good.
1: Exactly. And look, he's famous now. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I'm a mess. So. So like. I mean, like, to be honest, though, like, growing up, it would be like, I'm in the car, and, like, we don't have any money, and, like, we don't have any gas, and my mom is basically telling me, like, we need to pray to make it to the gas station, because, like, this is an attack from the devil, and, like, that's we don't make part. it there, it's Satan, mm-hmm. and, like, you're just this little kid that's, like, okay, sounds weird, but okay, um, so, so this is the situation I grew up in, right, and I, I became a teenager in that situation, and, of course, I went through, like, the entire purity culture bullshit, and so, you know, I got a hold of her. I went on a bunch of, well, I went on mission mission trips, quote unquote, as like a teenager. Um, and as a young adult to, you know, Mexico, where we basically just went and like painted a church and patted ourselves on the back. And then, you know, came home and pretended like we weren't fucking modern colonizers. But that's a story for a different day. Um, <laughs> and so after a while, you know, I, I... I, I I'd sort of always had these nagging, I want to say doubts, but just things that didn't quite add up. Like, I I was trying to make things work, and I could not make them work. So, you know, things like, well, if God knew about everything from the foundation of the earth, knew that we were, every decision we were going to make, everything that was ever going to happen, every atrocity, um, all the pain that every single human being would ever feel, he knew that. And he decided to create all of this anyway in this very specific way, because he wanted companionship. I don't know. Doesn't <laughs> seem like.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's incorrect. Yeah, it, like, right? it doesn't yeah. seem
1: very like doesn't seem like a very cool guy to me. Not a great. guy. Um, no, like it, yeah. because I would say, hey, if I was God, right, and I yeah. knew that even one person was going to be harmed just because I wanted like a pal. Yep, not gonna do that.
0: Well if you're a loving god, right? If you're a if you're a cruel tyrant god, then sure. But that's that's right. But that's not the
1: god that's like presented. So it's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I, I had all these sort of nagging suspicions and I was trying really hard to reconcile everything. And I would ask a lot of questions and ultimately it would always come to You know, God's ways are higher than ours, or like you have to have faith, or some other sort of platitude that really didn't give me any anything to hold on to. Mm. And maybe for some folks, thinking that there's just some mystery that explains all of the suffering and pain and just general mess of the world, maybe that makes sense to them. Yeah, but it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um. And the idea that well, so all of that being said, um, when I was 21, like freshly 21, uh, my then partner, trigger warning, committed suicide. And I felt so low, as you might imagine, and so alone and so confused and just like, what is happening? Um, and I had always been taught that like, when you're at your lowest, that's when God will meet you there, right? <laughs> like he will be there with you. And like, honestly, looking back, it's like, why? Why does it have to be when I'm at my worst that that's when God will finally like come around to hanging out with me, right? It seems like, manip-
0: yeah, manipulative a little bit there, God. I
1: don't, right, exactly. Like, why yeah. can't we just like pal around when I'm doing fine? <laughs> like, okay. Um. So I, but at this point, I still sort of thought, you know, there's something I don't understand, like, maybe he'll meet me in sort of like darkest time of my life. And so I decided, you know what I'm going to (laughs) do? I'm going to go to YWAM with this youth with the mission. And I'm going to do this little like mini Bible school. I'm going to do a missions trip. And like, I'm going to serve God in my heartbreak. And he's definitely going to meet me there. No. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everyone will be shocked to hear that didn't happen. Um, yeah. So I went on this missions trip. I was there for a while and like, it was awful. Not gonna lie. Um, came home, was like, yeesh. Mm-hmm. Um, but still hadn't fully given up on the idea, right? Like I was like, okay, maybe, I, I don't know, but maybe there's still something to it. Like, ah, okay. Um, anyway, ended up going back to school, uh, back to college. And honestly, that's when the hard break happened for me because I went to a very liberal um, liberal arts college here in California. And I just met so many people from different walks of life with different gender identities, with different um, sexual preferences or, uh, sorry. um, Orientations. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Orientations. Thank you. Please don't cancel me. Um, (laughs) I just forgot the word. And like, I just could not get past this idea that like there was this all knowing, all powerful God that created all people and then was also going to send all of these incredibly kind, loving people that are trying to do good in the world to hell because of how he created them or how he allowed them to be created, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I think that was really when my brain was like, yeah, this, I just can't. It doesn't make sense. Um, So at that point, I was like, all right, well, if I don't feel any of this, if it doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to research the Bible. And if I can prove the Bible in like a historical sense, right, then, okay, I'm just going to suck it up and like deal with it. Um, Yeah. Turns out not that historically reliable. No, (laughs) No. No. not even a little bit. So that's how I sort of left the church. There's lots of, lots of reading involved, lots of hard (laughs) days, lots of like questions. Um, But that's the, uh, I'd like to say that's a short version, but that's actually a long version.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you a very kind of long question um, to follow up on that, because I'm, I'm kind of working through a, a question myself right now um, in My master's thesis that i'm working on where i'm talking about the history of conspiracism throughout western history um and the different kind of forms that it takes uh including the religious form that it takes sometimes right um all right so i'm going to tell you that i while my story is not the same as your story there are some things that stick out to me as like i i i resonate with right where i remember like the reason i wanted to start studying religion in the first place sort of academically um was when i was in church and like i was bored and and i was like well if god made me then god made me to be bored in church so doesn't god want me to be bored in church and like shouldn't i leave um which is the sort of question that a kid would ask right but like that's the one that stuck with me so long that i like went to college for it um (laughs) for it to answer that question right and, you know, I was I was very open to the idea to to, to sort of, uh, to, you know, religion. And I kind of like wanted to prove the existence of God in some way. Like I right, want, definitely yeah. in my philosophy classes, like that's what I wanted to do was like be on the side of there is a God. and It's all going to be great. And I can I'll, I'll be able to prove this. Or like at least I, I hope that all this smart stuff will lead me to the conclusion that like there probably right. is a God of some kind. Right. And it didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm still very much on the. On the not side of the fence. But to me, like the, the radicalization, the sort of like indoctrinate indoctrination part of it um, was less because I'm 10 years older than you are, right? So mm-hmm. so it was it was less Christianity and it was more 9-11 than uh. and, and, and the Bush years. When when more liberals, more left-leaning people were 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 flirting with conspiracism because Mm -hmm. trutherism and the sort of like left-wing version of trutherism was was really prevalent, Um, and I was very much on the on the verge of it. Um, I was very much on that sort of like that sort of that sort of cliff's edge. Well,
1: it's like we all want to believe that that we understand something that other people don't, right?
0: Yes, and also like. I don't I'm trying to think of like what the motivation is behind it. I guess the motivation if if I could, could rationalize it in some way it's that Dick Chain is a sociopath and is capable of anything and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and also like it's the way that we were lied into 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 a war in Iraq and all of those things aligning like that narrative was just so it was like, if we could prove that, then you could really take the bastards down. And there was something really, <laughs> you know, there was something really compelling about that idea. Of course, yeah. I don't know how I pulled myself away from that cliff, but I suspect it's very similar to the way that you pulled yourself out of of fundamentalism, which is I'm never satisfied with just sort of accepting a, an answer, right? Like I, right, I, always, yeah. I always have to like, I have to get that, that verifying evidence. And that's sort of how I, mm-hmm. how I kind of salvaged my own sanity yeah. in, in in that mess.
1: I think that like, sorry, I'll let you finish. No, go ahead. After I interrupt you. No, go ahead. Um, because I've heard, it, it, I've been asked a similar question, at least in regards to that part of what you're saying, where it's like, why do you think you were able to sort of leave and other people get stuck? And to be that's, honest. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly special about me. Like, I'm maybe there's some science that I don't know. Um, it's not something that I would ever say, like, well, I'm just, you know, incredibly analytical, so therefore, like, I would never <laughs> say that, right? Like,
0: because... But there's some truth to it, I think. Like, I, even if you sure. wouldn't say it. Yeah.
1: So I do think that there are some people that are certainly they tend towards the analytical while other people are content to just sort of they just they whatever it is inside a person um they would rather feel comfortable and i'm not saying that's good or bad i don't know what causes it i'm not an expert um but i i do think just in my experience in life meet people who are completely fine not questioning they don't care about they don't care about a lot of this secondary stuff, right? Yeah. Um, They don't need an answer as to like, why would an all loving God do X, Y, or Z? They chalk it up to faith or we don't understand. And for whatever reason, that's enough for them. Yeah. I, I don't know what that reason is. I don't know if it's brain chemistry. I don't know if it's nurture nature. I don't know. Um, All I've been able to tell people is that like, Things not me, they not me until they don't. Th- that's the thing. And I don't know what causes that. I don't know why it is. I just yeah. know that something will not me yeah. and it will not let me go <laughs> yeah. until it doesn't not me anymore. Yeah. And once it doesn't not me anymore, I'm like, I don't know that this is the right answer, but I know it's the most compelling answer given yeah. the evidence I have.
0: And you can live with I'm,
1: Exactly. I can live with it. I don't feel like I need to keep searching, right? Like at this point in my life, I would never tell anyone that I can prove that there is no God. would never say that ever. What I can say is that I haven't seen any compelling arguments in all of my research that there is one, a God, two, a very specific God that's yeah. written about book right and i think people forget that there's like this there's several leaps in between there's a god and maybe he's connected or not connected to all of this um being like a deist say i and then being a theist who is specifically a christian like there are so many leaps of faith that you have to take between there's a god um you know there's an intelligent designer and it's this very specific intelligent designer that's written about in this very specific book and who only will accept you if you believe in this very specific way. And I think people don't always think through that. Yeah. Even if someone could provide me with enough evidence to where I would say, you know what? I'm compelled to believe that there is an intelligent design going on here. Yeah. I'm not, but if someone could provide me with that evidence, it still wouldn't compel me to believe in a very specific deity, right? In my brain, it could be any <laughs> it could be any deity that's ever been claimed or written about or thought about or uh I would argue it's as likely that it's none of them and yeah. it's one that none of us have ever thought about or knew about or any of that. Well, that's because... another
0: frustration. Like that just sorry to interrupt you, but that <laughs> like what you just said there I think is a really interesting point because like another frustration that I have with religious people in general, um, as someone who again, sort of like studies and teaches that subject is like, why did we stop? Throughout human history, we have constantly evolved the idea of God. Like, why did we stop that? And it's it's, it's weird to me that we're stuck in the stasis where like it's either the God of Abraham or nothing. And even like I think atheists, you know, like the the so-called like you know intelligent atheists, the 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 Sam Harris's and what have you, right? Who are problematic in their own way, but like
1: they sure are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank and you. That's, that's another conversation. They suck, but but it's it's also it's like it's like well why 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 do you accept the idea? I mean, the universe that we have discovered in the last several decades is so much fucking weirder than anything genesis would propose and, it, and it's like
1: i mean have you seen the pictures from the the whole yeah. telescope or whatever it is like
0: yeah. yeah it's nuts
1: if y'all can see that and you think that there is a god up there that gives a fuck <laughs> about like you yeah. on this planet and like who you want to like kiss faces with or that it would uh, ever be. You need therapy, like way more than I thought it. I ever did. Like <laughs> it
0: would be that simple. The, the thing about the God of the Bible is it's so narrowing. It's it's such a limited, you know. It it, it it's not omni omniscient or, or or omnipotent. It is so narrow. And then you look at yeah. those fucking galaxies, and you're like, come on. There's so much more to the universe I mean, than this.
1: Even if you just look at the Bible with some degree of integrity and understand. Yeah. These sixty-six books are written by different people at different times. Yeah, like it is internally inconsistent from one oh, sure. book to another. Like sure. yeah. I know that. Like, you know that.
0: It's <laughs> Genesis wild... one and two are internally inconsistent from one book to another. It's two different gods.
1: Talk to <laughs> a Jewish person, talk to one Jewish person. I yeah. please, I know. like talk to one Jewish person that is not Jews for Jesus because they're not <laughs> Jews. They're. Christians appropriating Jewish holidays and like I will fight anybody on that. But like it is internally inconsistent. And for me at this point in my life, I love that not because I can use it to prove anyone wrong, but because it makes the Bible so much more interesting and so much richer and tells us so much more about the people that wrote it and the time they wrote it in and what they thought and like how they believed and like why they were writing it and like all of these things, it just makes it so much more interesting for me i love the bible now i love it me too didn't love it as a christian no as a christian i was like this shit is so fucking boring (laughs) like i don't know what the hell and you're trying to tell me that song of solomon is about like jesus and me like stay (laughs) away from these like stay away you know like no.
0: i've i've spent i've spent like i've spent like almost two class periods in a row just talking about the first page of the the gospel of john (laughs) oh my god
1: I mean, like the fact that you can look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and and when I say this, listen, I spent like twenty plus years thinking these were like totally coherent. History books. History like historical accounts, yeah. yeah. History yeah. accounts yeah. Yeah. English bios. is awesome.
0: Jesus right. bios. Exactly, yeah.
1: just like some eyewitness journalism. Um
0: <laughs> with lots like, of plagiarism. Yeah. Oh my
1: god. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I, think I was taught that, like, these four accounts are eyewitnesses, and they all, um, they're all, basically, they all agree. It's just, like, different sort of viewpoints, right? So, it was this sort of uh, syncretism that they did, or, I'm sorry, harmonization. So, the pastor will tell you like, yeah, I know on this point, if you read them vertically, they all disagree, but this is what they actually meant. And it's like, all right, so you're the fifth gospel author then? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Like, awesome. (laughs) So, but that's the thing, right? Like, I understand that if you need the Bible to be inerrant, like you're going to do a whole bunch of like Simone Biles level mental gymnastics. Yeah. But like, if you actually read the gospels, and you are just like mildly um, interested in textual criticism, like there is so much there. Yeah. Like It is so interesting, right? Yeah. Because you learn about these people that are writing decades later based on oral traditions and borrowing from each other and they're writing in different places and at different times and like for different communities. And even if you read like the things that are attributed to Paul and that's a whole other discussion because there's – yeah. They're not all written by Paul, right? We, no. have the, we have the things that we think are probably written by Paul. And then we have the other stuff that are attributed to Paul. But like, even all of that, like, none of these people knew that what they were writing was going to end up in some authoritative book that was going to last for millennia. Right. right? I'm going to get off my soapbox. Um, <laughs> I just think, like, even, even if you're a progressive Christian, like, we might... You know, we might have issues where we disagree, but, like, most progressive Christians that I know approach the Bible in at least a much more nuanced way, and I feel like you then learn so much more just about, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm just, like, waxing poetic at this point.
0: No, I know, like, I... So one of the things that you're talking about here, again, is, is, is sort of getting to a frustration that I was alluding to earlier on, um, which is that even progressive Christians, if they have like a Bible study or something, they're not talking about the Mark and sandwich, right? Which is one of the coolest features of the gospel of Mark that like nobody gets, right? Or, or you know,
1: the- the, the... more. <laughs> and by us, I mean your audience.
0: Uh, if you don't know what a Mark and Sandwich is, Mark uh, takes a a formula where there will be a uh, pericope, which is a setup for a story, and then um, Jesus will sort of make a point, and then there will be a semi-unrelated story that sort of like <laughs> illustrates that story, and then a third story that gets back to the meaning of the first story, um, making a, a a sandwich, and entire chunks BLP? of the gospel are also structured that way, so there'll be like a three-part sandwich, and then the middle part of that sandwich, and then at the end of that sandwich, another three parts, and it's 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 really really clever, um, and and fascinating writing, and uh, nobody talks about that in church, and it's like you're missing, even if you're a progressive Christian, you're missing this entire really exciting, yeah. peek into the way that this anonymous person thought you like, know, really thought this years out ago. Yeah. And like
1: spent a lot of time and energy building this out. And
0: that's so and much like, more insightful for me and so much more interesting. Yeah. And there's really no place to do that in any kind of like public square, wow. which is really upsetting. Yeah.
1: So, and this is kind of tangentially related, but I've been doing a lot of reading and research about, uh, or around Isaiah 53 recently. <laughs> right. And of course this is like this major bone of contention between Christians and Jews and everybody else actually it's not a bone of contention for jews they know what it means right right, right but yes. like christians are like no way this is like a prophecy and i'm doing this because a very uh, specific apologist named mike winger love him um yeah big, <laughs> <does>. fan. <laughs> big fan huge fan got one finger for that guy you know
0: yeah. <laughs> um
1: anyway so like
0: worse he, than the band winger go ahead
1: oh my god yeah
0: <laughs> low blow. that was a low blow i shouldn't have no. said
1: that uh, quite literally you Nicky cannot get lower that. than mike winger no he does yeah so <laughs> like he makes these like weird ass claims that are like well there's no rabbinic or ancient rabbinic sources to say that like this verse isn't about jesus like all right so you're telling me that 700 years before jesus existed you expect people to be like this isn't about some random fucking dude seven years <sighs> in the future. It's about the nation of Israel. Like, tell me you don't understand jack shit about the ancient Near East, ancient Israel, and the function of prophets without telling me.
0: Nobody like, said it wasn't a prophecy. Yeah.
1: Right. It's just so embarrassing for him <laughs> specifically. Um, But something that, like, I learned, this was a while ago, but like, and I, I won't be able to repeat it verbatim, but it's, the sort of the um, structure of the way that the prophecy is set up, the structure of, of the sort of prose that it takes. And so you see certain ways that things are written, but reworded to mean the same thing, but to repeat themselves. Right. So there's like a very specific, as I said, structure. And like, if you don't know that it means nothing to you and nobody ever talks about it because it doesn't serve their purpose. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I won't say nobody. Christians never talk about it because it doesn't serve their purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some of them know, and I'm sure a lot of them don't know. But what makes sense to them is this is very specifically about this thing that agrees with what I already believe in. And so what do I care about the genre or the style of the book, right? Yeah. Or of the person writing it? I mean, in this video, he says that like Isaiah was written around 700 do you smoke crack? Like Isaiah is written, like you talk to any scholar and they agree that Isaiah was at least written two parts. At least. Probably there three. might have been yeah. a third part. Yeah, yeah I
0: like, think
1: three. Yeah. I, I think three. But yeah. I think if we're being very conservative, we can sure. say two. Yeah. Um, and even that there's at least a hundred years between 39 and 40 or whatever it is because we have Hezekiah in 39 and then we have 40 where we're talking about like Cyrus effectively leading Israel out of the exile. So
0: sure. Yeah.
1: Sorry, I'm getting into the weeds. No, I love it. Apologize oh, to your arguments, to your, your audience. I can't talk at all. Just fire me. Um <laughs>
0: you're not getting paid, so you can't.
1: I get real passionate when I'm talking about this shit. Um, it's because I never have anyone to talk about it with. So like, I know, this is, that's my what point. I think about Isaiah. That's my
0: point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I hate not having to talk about it
1: I was like trying to tell someone because <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> About how like when you get into the book of Isaiah, you see like a shift in theology Yeah. from like a lot of the rest of the Hebrew Bible. So you see like God becoming not just this person that has or this being that has chosen Israel to have a covenant with, but it becomes transactional in Isaiah. Yes. And Isaiah is sort of, I don't want to say mirroring, but at least agrees with Amos. Um. And and so you see this shift in theology. That's not just like God chose us as a nation and He's going to take care of us and make us prosperous. This covenant very much becomes a voidable covenant, right? right? So you know, if we don't do the things that God says we need to do to fulfill this, then like, yeah, God can cancel this, right? The original cancel culture. God, the original, um, original canceller. Yeah. <laughs> So don't ever come for me because I will cite Yahweh. Cancel um, God to
0: own the lips. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> to own the list. But the other interesting thing, and again, I know I'm in the weeds, is that Isaiah also believes that, or it seems to believe, that God uh, values individuals over like sort of corporate worship. Mm-hmm. And there's two scholarly positions on that at least. And I, I know I'm just sort of going off the deep end here, but I'm... Um, Isaiah seems to think that God values sort of the individual over ritual displays of worship. And there's sort of two ways you can go with that. It can be either that he finds the ritual displays repugnant, or it can be that he just sort of, it's like a relative stance where he thinks that, you know, the individual is more important than this ritual display. Um, But either way, this is a massive shift. Yeah. Like it's a massive shift that like nobody ever thinks about or talks about or considers, um, and like, again, this makes the Bible so much more interesting, right? When we're not trying to pretend it's one coherent thing
0: the The irony of what you're saying, too, is that the what you are describing, right? I, I think that that shift is more towards a Christian theology or the theology that Christianity would later go on to sort of adapt and 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 evolve into into its theology there is very clearly a relationship between the book of Isaiah and the philosophies that ultimately led to the early Christian cult that became Christianity, right? There's a line there and that's really interesting, but it has nothing to do with the book of Isaiah and it's mistranslation of a virgin um, and all that sort of stuff. And it's, you know, well, miscontextualization like a mistranslation
1: of, of like mem. Where yeah. We have translated it as for our transgressions, when in reality, what it means is because of right. the transients, right? right? And that's yep. a very different thing because Absolutely. this is not atonement anymore. Yeah. This is, y'all got punished because y'all done fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> the... And
0: I guess, so like, like what, I'm, what I, getting back to one of my first points with you is that I, you know, my, my total frustration is that we can't have these conversations because, well, actually, I do think there are people out there like us right the sort of non-theists who who are are away from religion but also have this great love for the tradition and analyzing it and uh you know revealing the the voices that are buried in this book and 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 from the deep past and and sort of giving them the their due credit you know when you look at the personality of the of the writer of mark and the messianic (laughs) secret and you look at the way that matthew goes and corrects mark by like looking at the septuagint and being like well it says there's two donkeys i guess there's two donkeys (laughs) (laughs) you know And you can see see these personalities coming out but it's like there's no real space for that and i feel that we've sort of pigeonholed ourselves into a into a culture where you're either with it it, you care about the bible because you care about the bible religiously or you're an atheist and you should just like watch sam harris videos and be a dick and
1: i mean i is... do want to be a dick you do but like to the right i people. do exactly like i want to yeah. be a dick but also like i do know what i'm talking about right um, that's different and it's right. not like conceptually it's just like you're annoying me at this moment in time but also i would like you to know the truth about the bible or at least like scholarly thoughts i won't yeah. say that i know the truth but like there's this there's this part of me, a big part of me, that wishes that everyone, because this was very healing for me, and so I wish it for other people, that they could sit in this space where there isn't an easy answer, right? There are many, many places in the Bible where I'm like, like take the book of Daniel. There's many spots in the book of Daniel where it's like there's no scholarly consensus. Mm-hmm. None. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of people that think, A, there's lots of things people that think B or C or D. Um, and the thing is, when I was a Christian, one of those things had to be right. And I would defend it to the death. But now I'm like, show me the merit yeah. of every position. yeah. And then like, I'm not even going to decide. I just want to hear. And then I'm going to go on with my life because it doesn't affect me day to day. What is actually true about this passage? I can sit with all of these positions and, and there can be, like, some kind of mystery or unknown or, like, whatever without me feeling like I'm sinning or unfaithful or something that is wrong, right? And yeah. I, I wish that for everyone.
0: All right. So so follow up to a different question as well. I think you kind of answered it in a roundabout way. And I think I sort of did as well. But I – so my my, my worry – Increasingly, is that the project of de radicalizing people is in vain? Um, that once you have adopted that sort of like all comforting, all encompassing worldview, whether it is born again Christianity or it's QAnon, right? I I'm, I'm. I don't want to believe. It's one of those things, like the whole God thing. When I was in college, I now don't want to believe that people can't be brought back from that. I worry that people just like we're, like we're the only kinds of people that can. Right? That's 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 what right. I'm. That's what I'm worried about. And I don't know. What do you think? because <laughs> um... like there's still a lot of evangelicals. There's a lot of ex-evangelicals, but there's still way more evangelicals. And like I would that's... like a
1: shot. No, um, <laughs> if anyone has one available, um, yeah, I wish that I had a really excellent answer or an easy answer or a clear answer, and I don't. Um, part of the reason that I do what I do, yeah, is some of what I do anyway, right? Like the way that I kind of dunk on people on like Twitter is very different than the way that I try to talk to people on YouTube, yeah, right? Where I bring these people in and I'm like, okay, here's what I thought when I was an evangelical. Tell me what is the scholarly consensus or like what have you found, right? And it's a much more, it's a much gentler approach. Um, And there's no real reason for that other than, (laughs) sorry, this is gonna sound awful. Other than it's just fucking funny to do that on Twitter. (laughs) Um, And there's not enough like, there's not enough, character space, and also, like, the people that are on Twitter, they're not looking for answers. They're just there to, like, assert themselves, and that's fine. Sure. But, like, I'm going to match that energy. But when I do my stuff on YouTube, I very much want to bring a more nuanced approach to things. And the reason that I do that. Uh, is not that I'm convinced that I have the answer to de radicalizing people or to deconverting people. Um, what I know is that when I, even when I was a Christian, and even if I would have never have admitted it, right, would have never, ever, ever have admitted it, there was something that itched, scratched the back of my brain that I like couldn't quite make sense of, that I never could find peace with, that like, was there and it, it, again it just nodded me and i don't know what i know is that won't be everyone ever right we're not going to have this suddenly like, transformation of folks who all become that way but i do know that there are a lot of folks out there that have that same just inkling at the yeah. back of the brain yeah and so when I, again, when I was an evangelical, like lots of people tried to convince me of a lot of things. And just on principle, I fought them on it, right? But to use a biblical metaphor, they planted seeds. And so, after a while, you hear more than just one or two or five or ten or twenty people saying something.
0: yeah
1: and and for me, I began to wonder, like, why am I fighting so hard to believe this when it would be so much easier to just accept the evidence? Right. Um, And it was a lot of people that presented information in ways that weren't incredibly combative and they weren't, you know, aggressive. Um, It was just, I'm a biblical scholar. I've spent my life studying this. And this is the conclusion I've come to, and this is why. And then you make your own decisions. And that's very much how I feel, right? Uh, I want to provide information to folks, especially in the longer form videos or even on TikTok half the time. Um, I want people to come to their own conclusions. I don't want to tell them they should believe X, Y, or Z. I don't think that works. I think that's proselytizing. Um, but I do think that this sort of consistent drip, for lack of a better term, right? Of like, here's what this person believes, quote unquote, plant a seed. Here's what this person thinks, quote unquote, plant a seed. Right? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and I get, I said believe, but what I actually mean is like what they've researched and found. And this is what they, like the conclusion they've come to. Because um, that's the thing with cognitive dissonance, right? You could present someone with all of the evidence to the contrary. And it's really hard to change your mind. It's yeah. really hard to change your mind, especially in like a split second. But, and I can speak to this over the, over a period of years it it sort of wore me down because it was like people keep pointing to this evidence and they keep showing me indirectly or directly that like what I believe really doesn't hold water. Um, and eventually it was like, it's becoming so much harder to hold on to this belief system that ultimately isn't really serving me in any way. Like, I don't feel close to a deity, I don't feel loved, I don't feel any of these things, and I'm fighting so hard to protect this deity that quite literally doesn't seem to give a shit about me at all, at least in the charismatic sense, right? That's how I grew up, so, like, I have no feeling, I don't feel like he's doing anything for me, my life, (laughs) effectively, is, like, to be honest, worse than most of the people (laughs) (laughs) that i see that are you know atheist or non-religious or whatever yeah and and then i started reading about history and like the ancient near east and it's like oh yeah like there was so much more history beyond genesis one so like how are we (laughs) accounting for all of this like anyone roger bueller like like what is happening yeah Uh, so i guess my my very very long short answer Um, is that I think it does often feel hopeless to try and de-radicalize, but that's because most of us, myself included, want to like show someone the evidence and then have them be like, you know what? You're right. I'm changed. But in reality, it doesn't work that way. Right. And oftentimes for most of us, the like quote unquote seeds that we plant, (laughs) we may never see them come to fruition. Yeah. We may never see it. But speaking as someone who absolutely changed because of so many people that will never know. Um, Keep doing what you do. Keep putting the, I want to say the truth, but just like keep putting information out there. Keep putting research out there. I'm not pretending to know that any of us can know what like absolute truth is. I think that's a <laughs> philosophy question. I'm not going to hey, touch it with the a
0: there. No, I'm hey,
1: you yeah. do you. What I'm saying is I think it's worth <laughs> continuing to put out research and oftentimes conflicting research Yeah. because like trying to rectify those two things or rec- uh, reconcile those two things, you learn that like none of us know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, none of us really know all of the things that have happened throughout history. We are reconstructing a lot of things based on our best guesses and like the information we have. Um, yeah, I- I'm rambling, but I just think that like we should continue to do what we do, it can feel disheartening, um, because. Unlike when you are a Christian that's proselytizing and you try to get someone to say Lord's Prayer and then you feel like you've checked that box off and you move on, right? Got that one, that soul, got that jewel in my crown. Um, <laughs> when you're just like putting out research, you don't get that like instant gratification. You really don't, uh, at least not usually. And that can feel very disheartening, but I think it's just important that we keep playing our small part Um, And given our current political climate, uh, I think it's important that we like really dig deep and continue to do our part and create community with folks that are doing things that are like-minded so that we have support. Um, But oftentimes, I I don't know, I would say all the time, we're probably not going to be that last step in de-radicalization we're probably going to be somewhere in the middle. We might not see it, um, but if we don't provide that stepstone, it may not happen ultimately. Yeah, and that's a hard role to play. But yeah. I think that it's important to remind ourselves of that. That like just because we don't see the outcome, doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't important. Um, and I think that if we stop doing it, we run the risk. Of an, of losing a lot of people,
0: yeah,
1: and that's my very long winded answer. If only we Thank could you start for a, me a TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> if
0: only we could start a like uh, church that's a Bible study for like atheist nerds, that'd be great. Um, I mean, I've
1: actually had a couple of people ask me if we could do that, and I was yeah. like, "Well, I'll have find to the find space. the group." Yeah, <laughs> I don't have to ask me advice.
0: So, I mean, I will say like there is something really profound about the fact that I still get a lot of personal sort of meaning and fulfillment in like thinking about these things and like understanding people from the past who left behind this like really interesting and very personal, right. Sort of statement mm-hmm. of their, of yeah. their weird celestial silliness. And like, you know, sure, they, they but in them... the
1: same way that I find value in like authors that wrote, Sure. 100 years ago right sure. yeah, yeah it has no eternal right. bearing on me but right. i certainly <laughs> like there's certainly value in how they understood the world and yeah. how they perceived other people like yeah okay
0: absolutely like even in like genesis you know it's still like so very cool
1: <laughs> chapter one or two which came first you know
0: i i yeah i mean i love like I spend a lot of time on Genesis two and three in my classes, and like again, it's not my my classes are very much analytical. They're not sort no. of. Just, not, let not. just let me
1: audit yeah. one. Just let me. Yeah,
0: but <laughs> I get Imagine. very I get very animated in talking about the way that like it deals with free will and the. It won't the interrupt of, you. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I might, but probably not. I'll mute myself.
0: <laughs> but I just love this idea that like we have this 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 myth that has these like very clever little elements to it that like. You know, people always misread the serpent and like what the serpent really is and what it really represents. And I, you know, I I love that shit. It's, it's, I love it.
1: It's, I mean, it's like y'all are telling me it's great fun that there
0: is this being,
1: whatever you want to call it, right? There's a being there that is like, hey, listen, I offer you knowledge. If you take this knowledge, uh, you're going to suffer forever. He doesn't say that, I know, but that's the implication, right? Like, why is it?
0: But you'll be free.
1: All knowing God doesn't want you to have knowledge. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't have that knowledge, you don't have free will.
0: Right. Yeah. So
1: this idea that God is sort of acquiescing to our free will, it's not real. It's not real. Because like God can't acquiesce to our free will if we don't have full knowledge. And I will die on that hill
0: absolutely like, no I'm absolutely behind. and like i think if you look at it from the sort of rabbinic perspective that it's like god has to engineer things this way in order to give us the chance to like get free will so that we can like know choose, choose to love god which and and you know and I, like i don't right i know it's bullshit but but yeah, the notion no, the notion that choosing to love someone is always more powerful than being forced to love that person. Right. Is, is, is really profound. Right. That like.
1: Sure. That's, but that's also based on the idea that we even know what's forced and what's not because to be honest, (laughs) we could be existing right now and think that like we have free thought and whatever, and it could very well be forced given our lack of understanding of some deity higher power right yeah, like yeah so it's it's a conundrum because we've created god in our image
0: it's true yes it's we that. have anyway. it's still like the idea that a few thousand years ago people were thinking about that is just kind of blows my mind right i, I mean the, yeah I, totally yeah
1: yeah, yeah. It, it is so i've recently been reading a book um called the treasures of darkness and it's mm-hmm. about the evolution of um sort of Religion in mostly ancient Mesopotamia, but sort of like the ancient Near East at large. Sure, and it talks about how there's sort of this like threefold progression where it goes from like we worship the sun as just like whatever, right, or yeah. water, <laughs> or like whatever. These sort of like very hey, basic... <laughs> yeah Exactly, it's, far it's like big, yeah. confusing. Don't know what that yeah. is, but it's yeah. like doing something for me. It's so like worship yeah. that, and then it sort of evolves into this like um, worship of sort of like a city state or not even city state but just like a local more localized deity Mm -hmm. something that benefits you directly but not directly it's like this benefits my city my whatever but not like a personal relationship and then you see an evolution into like this specific god is like very related to me and i have this kind of like set up in my home or in my city or in my whatever right um and so it's an interesting exercise in my opinion to look back and see how to be honest el elohim the canaanite pantheon like all of that how it evolves
0: yeah absolutely because
1: it's not you know it's not what they've told you no
0: no (laughs) no Have you ever read um, Robert Wright's uh, uh, The Evolution of God, which is very similar sort of uh, a thesis to what you're talking about? I've read some of it. I haven't yeah. read the entire thing. Yeah, no. it's pretty It's pretty long. It's pretty long. Who
1: is... No, no, no. Who am I thinking of that's up at... God damn it. It's like this incredibly long book. It's like a thousand <laughs> pages. Um, Ted Lewis. That's what I've started reading. Okay. I can't remember. I think it's The Evolution of God, something like that. Uh, he's up at I believe Hopkins. Okay. And it is a deep dive, but it's very interesting. Interesting. And then um The Anatomy of God by uh Francesca Staberkoppaloo. I, I hope I that. pronounced her name right. It's <laughs> also very good. Um but I guess that's the thing. I, I think I'm rambling at this point. But like, <laughs> more like I've just been rambling the entire time. We're both like, rambling. There's it's There's so many perspectives.
0: Yeah. And like, yeah.
1: I don't have to think that any of them are right. Yeah. Like, I can just read them all and be like, wow, they all have very interesting points. N- none of us know. None of us know what's true. Everybody is arguing for their position. But... All of them, all of these great minds in the field, they're just saying this is what I find most convincing. This is why. Yeah. And that's it, right? Like. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I hear you. Um, Bottom line is, religion is interesting, even if you're not religious, and so you should.
1: I feel like I've just like run over your channel. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
0: All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. But um, why don't you go ahead Sorry, and y'all. and and promote your uh, your various internet things that you, you have a lot of them. Well, you got the TikTok. Yeah, which definitely. I don't, I don't understand.
1: I mean, I have TikTok. I haven't been in there <laughs> in a while, but it is where I'm most popular for some reason. Uh, well, the kids love TikTok. Of, they do. The yeah. youths, you the know, youth.
0: they do. The yeah.
1: Greetings, fellow youths. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I am so not I, a youth. Yeah, no, me neither. Not by any stretch. <laughs> I am. Um, I did first my first live stream on YouTube the other night, and I was just like, I am such a fucking goddamn boomer. But you know, hello, yeah, hello. Is anyone in here? <laughs> like, I don't know
0: what's hello? happening. Hello, the internet. Are you right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I quite
1: literally was like, all right, bye, everybody, and I left, <laughs> and then just like left the stream on. Yeah. And I was like, I, mean, I have no idea. What and I'm
0: being like, like, what's yeah? What's yeah, going I don't on? care. Y'all cool. Well, that's
1: sick. Um, so yeah, so I have a TikTok. It's Queen of Heathens. Um, I stumbled into popularity there because I uh, have the ability to be incredibly deadpan. Um, <laughs> thank you, trauma. So that's that. I also have some stuff on there that's like religious uh, sort of education. My YouTube channel is probably much more um, interesting to you if you're trying to hear scholars speak in long form, all of that stuff. And um, I do have Twitter. Queen of Heathens. Uh, the O and of is a zero. Please only go there if you're prepared for violence. Uh, and then you can. Am I wrong?
0: No, you're not. I, I um I I very much admire your ability to engage. I um I have a I have an ignore and block policy, but I just I'm just like, I don't care, fuck you, yeah. like go away. Um, no, that's
1: great. Like yeah, I'm I, here I, I'm, to make I'm, them feel
0: bad you're one of like three people who i'm just like i wish i could do that but uh it's very it's not for everyone
1: it's not for everyone it's like
0: standing by the bike racks and just watching someone have the (laughs) snot beat out of them and you're like wow i
1: I tell people this all the time again it's not for everyone it's also quite literally impossible to hurt my feelings because if you're some random fucking person on the internet like don't give a shit at all yeah um and if you're trying to hurt my feelings i know that's an easy win for me Because I'm just going to tell you some shit about your life and it's going to be over. The
0: occasional peeks Um, into your DMs are very uh, uh, traumatizing and entertaining at the same time. I'm
1: like, yes, message me. Message me. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck around. Find out. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyway, that's Twitter. So just only go there if you're prepared. That's all I'm saying. I'd love to have you, but I do not pull any punches. Um. And from there, so I have, I do have a Patreon, but like, I'm not going to advertise it here. You can find it on my other sites. Uh, I have an Instagram. I use it kind of here and there whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those are the main places you can find me. I would say like, if you want to learn or hear scholarship, YouTube's probably your best bet. Um, if you're interested in me roasting people, check out my Twitter. And if you're interested in me, just like. Talking about evangelical Christian <laughs> nonsense, TikTok is probably the best place. And I have said too much.
0: That's fine. Um, I also don't think you need to warn anybody about what Twitter is anymore. It's 2020. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> true. But I just. I'm just, just stumbling upon this website being like, this sounds interesting. And yeah, I don't think that. Twitter doesn't...
1: is a hellscape. Yeah. And I am like the ruler of it. So that's, that's how I advertise it. Like, if you know it's a hellscape, then don't worry yeah. about me. Yeah. Done.
0: It's a fun hellscape if you learn how to navigate it the right way. Yeah. If you have just a just like Virgil taking you through uh as <laughs> your guide. You
1: quite literally edit any of this out. Thank that's you so a, much. That's <laughs> a
0: Dante reference. No, that's fine. I, it is, I, yeah. I'm, I uh thank you. I feel you.
1: like I'm the ninth circle, to be <laughs> honest.
0: <laughs> I really needed a uh to just just sit and talk to a fellow nerd about about yes. shit and complain about um about people. So I really appreciate uh you oh it doing was a that. pleasure, a I delight. Know. Okay. Yeah.
1: We'll do, and we'll if do... you ever want to talk about the book of Revelation, just
0: I've I'm I go. do you know how long I've been like I'm gonna do a book of Revelation episode at some point uh in this on this podcast and I, I never have. Um
1: I did like a seven part series.
0: Okay. Um tune in later because <laughs> Jessica's gonna be back for the book of Revelation. Just rant uh, later on the show. <laughs> Thank you all for listening, and I will see you next time.